Hi, I'm Steve Malunovic, and you're listening to You Changed My Mind. I started this podcast for people who maybe have been given answers to questions about faith, God, or the Bible that just don't work for you anymore. Or maybe you have questions, yet no one to ask. Maybe you felt like you weren't allowed to bring something up at church or at the family dinner table. Maybe you got in trouble for asking something that's impolite or challenged someone. I'm advocating that you aren't a bad Christian for having doubts, asking tough questions, for changing the way you think and what you believe when new information is presented. This is the podcast where no questions about God, the Bible, church, and Christian life are off limits. My guest on the podcast today is a good friend of mine named Gabe Roca. He's a young adults pastor at Bellevue Presbyterian Church in the greater Seattle area. Normally when I introduce guests, or on podcasts in general, when people introduce guests, they like to say their credentials or some of the things they're working on. Uh, But what's interesting that we'll get into is that Gabe doesn't have, even I don't think, a bachelor's degree in ministry or theology or Bible, much less a master's degree, which he needs to be ordained in his denomination, PCUSA. Uh, But we're going to talk today about what that looks like for someone to learn about ministry, for someone to be in vocational ministry with or without a degree, uh, and a lot of other subjects that we'll get into, as you see. It's hard to give this episode a title since we talk about so many different things, Uh, but Gabe is one of the smartest, most brilliant pastors I know, regardless of education uh, or background. So please welcome to the show, Gabe Roca. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Uh, you don't have to wave. It's just going to be audio. Um, but uh, but tell us a bit about yourself uh, and just how you came to be where you are today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, This is cool. Um, I, as you know, right before we started, I just, you know, I had a really long but good day. And I'm just so thankful to, like, kind of cap it off uh, recording this. So thanks for having me. Um, question. Uh, what was the question again? Uh you know, what, what are some things you do? I know you're a pastor at church in the Seattle Bellevue area. Um, and yeah, so just tell me, like, how, how did you, you know, come to become a pastor? What was it like starting out at church? And um, what are some of the things you do today and the things you're passionate about? Yeah, that's such a good question. <clears throat> um, well, where I got here today is I swore to myself growing up as a kid that I would never be a pastor. So that's where I started. I was like, oh man, pastor is such a hard job. I'll never want to be a pastor. Never, ever, ever. And then that classic story, God got a hold of my life at 19 and I felt the calling. Uh, The calling didn't come through any sermon. It it came through relationship when a a good friend of mine, his name is Koba, uh, just working with him and being friends with him and uh, reading the Bible as a late teen I uh, began to get it. I grew up in church, gave my heart to Jesus when I was seven at a vacation Bible school. Hmm. Uh, most of my testimony, excuse me, most of my testimony, uh, it really traces back to my dad's testimony. He was on the brink of suicide. He was going to jump off the cliffs in Point Fremont right here in, in San Pedro and had an encounter with God. Next day, went to a church and just committed his family. He was the first in his family history to go to church and accept Jesus. Uh, as their savior. So if you want a more, uh, what's the phrase, exciting podcast, you got to get my dad on here because he is just, (laughs) he was one of none. So I always like to share that my testimony really starts with my dad and how uh, he had an encounter with Jesus. So yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus at seven, had this really cool experience. Um, Growing up, 
recognizing pastors have a really hard job. I would never want to have their job. About 17, 18, 19, <clears throat> just kind of and eh, stopped caring about church. I still went just to make my parents happy. I thought, well, it's really important to them, so I'm going to keep going. <clears throat> and I would listen to the sermons, and they would be touching, and I just yeah, was making my own decisions, living my own life. And about 19, 20, I think, I think I was 20, I had an encounter with Jesus. Um, I'll just never forget. I just felt the Lord just pressing on my chest that I couldn't breathe. And I just felt the Lord saying, like, I got something so beautiful for, for you. Um, you wouldn't believe if I told you. Just come on. Like, stop making these bad decisions. Mm. Let's just, let's, let's let that be the start. <clears throat> um, and so a buddy of mine was a pastor invited me to a young adults group. I thought it was whack. I was like, oh, my goodness. I hope he's not listening to this, by the way. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I was in a band. I was, I was out partying a lot. And then you're going to all these Christians. Like I just, I didn't like, I didn't like it too much, but the people were cool. I just didn't like the setup. It was like awkward. Like, okay, we're, is this like, like, what is this? Like we worship and we do a prayer and then a word. It's just so like, I think it was the, just, it just was like mundane. It was just boring to me. <clears throat> and so I remember having a conversation with my buddy though, who was the pastor at the time. <laughs> And we were in his backyard and we would play croquet and that's that's where that's where the Lord met me in conversation like that and so it was several years after that that um, I got the call I got the call my, our church leadership said hey we want to send you to a small Bible college that the church is affiliated with and get you some proper Bible training so I went to that school it was a Latin American Bible institution uh, in La Puente California just south of Azusa Pacific right off the 605 beautiful beautiful uh little uh bible school uh probably like 100 150 students <clears throat> and that's where i got my early introduction to um yeah the, the spiritual disciplines and the things that you don't get on sunday you know uh practicum taking these different courses <clears throat> um had some a few really good professors um and then i just realized like man like i probably got to go get a go get a bachelor's you know at that point I was working for the airline industry for about seven years mm -hmm. really enjoying that <clears throat> I thought I was going to be there for life um, and just move up or move around and something in me said I think I want to be a full-time pastor and I just didn't see anybody doing it in my circle um, to a way that I was like man I really want that life but I knew I had the calling and um, and I just kept pressing in I kept serving with FCA I, I would serve any chance I could get I mean I didn't I didn't like how things were ran so I just figured I'd serve mm. I didn't like per se like the <clears throat> outline of awkward young adult gatherings I, I'm the young adult <laughs> pastor by the way at our church so that's why <laughs> if, if I'm beating up the young adult like arena it's just because I'm immersed in it oh um, I totally get that I'm the same way with youth and like beating up on the stereotypical <laughs> youth pastor <laughs> Have you seen that YouTube video where it said like uh, every youth pastor ever? Was uh, pastor it's like a John Mark. Christ one or something. I don't know. His name was Pastor Mark. Pizza guys. Game guy. Oh, you got to watch it. I okay, you'll have to send it to me. I'm sure like, uh, yeah, all those things like, oh yeah, always gets me. Or, um, oh my gosh, this is, I feel like this could get me in trouble. But have you ever seen a show called The Righteous Gemstones? Oh no, a good friend of mine, Hannah, who I work with. She's been telling me about that show 
for a while now and I have I, I, I see the gifts all the time like I see people posting mm-hmm. uh, gifts and memes uh, from it but no I've never watched it oh it's a it's like a super raunchy and and kind of dark uh, yeah very dark humor show on HBO mm. um, but it's all about like this uh, like a mega church family like imagine like Joel Osteen or whatever that guy is from like Elevation or like you know, uh, TD Jakes, like they drive like a Rolls Royce and like live in this like big family compound. They have like an amusement park. Uh, that's part of their, their whole church thing, whatever they're private jets. Um, and every now and again, they'd have like these, like, I loved it because every now and again, they'd have these little jokes that like people who are immersed in the church world would get or have, I think the creator like grew up in that sort of setting. And so he's really like making fun of it, but also he has some some great moments as well probably, um probably really healing for him huh <laughs> i think so but so they're like you know there were just like these little moments uh like like they're just super dysfunctional uh which is like where most of the comedy comes from but there's there was like a moment where like one of the brothers gets mad at the other and says you'll burn in hell for that and he says no i won't and gives him this like coil <laughs> smile and i just started like busting up laughing and you know i tell my friends who are in the show too they're like I don't get it. And I'm like, Oh, it's all about like, you know, being uh, eternally secure in your salvation and all this stuff. Exactly. And uh, you know, just like that, like that, those kind of little like theological or like churchy jokes. Um, or there's some other one where like this guy was saying, you guys are repressive towards women and all this stuff. And this woman goes like, we are not in fact. And he goes, and she goes, Oh wait, sorry, honey. Can I talk? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. no. and, like, it's just like, it's so many of those perfect little moments. Um, you know, like show, like kind of bringing to light these things that we might not think are weird or like just take into the ad absurdum. So anyway, I like that kind of stuff always makes me laugh or think like, oh, is that how the world sees us? Like, even if it is a raunchy HBO show. That's good. So yeah. anyway, I love, yeah, Bash Young yeah. Adult Ministry, Bash Youth Ministry. You, you um, sold me. Yeah, you, you sold me. Now I got to watch it. And, and yeah, I mean, just to clarify, you know, like I don't, I don't dislike young adult ministry. I just think we're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. I think like, well, I think we've overcomplicated. We've, we've overcomplicated it. We've, yeah, we're just, we we're trying to check boxes from like something that somebody else did or, or what our young adult pastor did or what our youth group leader did. So I love it all. I think it all works, but you know, like my friends who are in the camp industry, like I don't think camps are going to last that much longer, like retreat mm-hmm. centers. It's just my thought. I have no credentials next to my name, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go for it. Um, well, wait. So that, I'm curious about that, if you're willing to talk about that. Because like, I've I wondered the same thing. Like, the camp that, you know, I worked at for years uh, and take my students to that I love, love, love called Hume Lake. Hume Lake. Yeah, everybody knows Hume Lake. Yeah, they're expanding. They have, like, now, like, one in, like, um, New England. Or they've had one for a little while there. They're actually starting one in Southern California at this point obviously the COVID-19 thing is making it difficult for them. But yeah, yeah like I, I keep wondering, like, is that going to be a thing much longer? Like sometimes I see these ebbs and flows where it's like, oh, they stopped doing their week 10 because they just weren't getting signups. But then other weeks are like overflowing. But I've heard a lot of the smaller camps are struggling. Um, and I, yeah, I just keep wondering, like, so I, I'm curious your opinion on that, if you have anything yeah. further on it. I think the bigs will survive and it will become like Disneyland where people travel from all over to go to uh, what's the camp that Bob Goff is connected to. In Canada or is that it? I don't know. It's, it's in Canada, I think. 
Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't really remember, one. but yeah. I should know because I have to fill out letters of recommendation for our students all the time. So I should <laughs> know. <clears throat> but those guys, Hume Lake, um, Forest Home. I love Forest Home. Like um, there's one in um, uh, Central Coast. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, why am I forgetting everything right now? No, it's cool. Um, welcome to 30. Um, yeah, so I would say like they'll survive. These smaller ones who've just been kind of like, ooh, they were like big during the Jesus movement. I really don't think they're going to make it through winter. Like, that's a horrible way to say it, but it's just there's so many restrictions at Christian camps. But if you go to a secular camp, it's so much more fun. The kids can do, uh, you know, build your own activity, choose your own adventure. Hmm. In the Christian camp model, we're just, we got to get somebody innovative in there. You and I worked at the same beach camp together for mm-hmm. several years ago. I mean, as dysfunctional as that that you yeah. know, staffing was, our staffing was dysfunctional, but the kids loved it. The kids were like, they wanted to come every week. There was two kids in particular. Um, uh, they were getting picked up and I was signing them out. And I said, all right, see you tomorrow. And the mom said, oh no, we're not coming tomorrow. We're going to Disneyland. And both kids look at the mom and go, oh, what the <laughs> heck, mom? Why couldn't we go to Disneyland on Saturday? We're going to miss camp. Because they love the camp that you and I were working at. And yeah. you're familiar with the culture. Wild, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it was all about the kids. And I don't think we have Christian camps, at least from my experience. And I've kind of been in a few different pools. They're not that fun. Hmm. There's so many restrictions. You know what the fun is? The fun is for some of the kids playing jokes on uh on the on their counselors or excuse me on their pastors or on their leaders and and small group time like we still have that like i'm sorry but like small group time at camp tent time it's like like geez unless you got a good group and that happens like mm-hmm. again don't hear me wrong i know that it's happening impact is happening but man like I, i'm a decent mediator and small group leader and i've had just some like shows like some oof, like we didn't talk about anything. It would have just been better to go play croquet like me and my, you know, COVID did with me when I first came to Jesus, like, you know, or re-came to Jesus. You know, but we, like, do these things. Um, there's some friends in Kauai. They do it really well. CrossFit, hmm. Oibu, uh, Keala Foundation, they do they do mentorship. They do discipleship well. I mean, it's, like, full immersion. Aaron Hoff, CrossFit, Oibu, look him up. They're on the south side of Kauai. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think about it from time to time too, where like I've I've definitely been yeah. part of some camps or taken like groups to camps where I'm like that was just like not that good. Actually, the big one I think about, uh, and I'm I'm curious if you've had experience with it because your is your church PCUSA or PCA? Yeah, it's PCUSA. Okay, um, because when I was working, I forget if I told you I worked at a PCUSA church in yeah. uh, on the west side of LA for like almost. Yeah, about a year. Um, and we took our kids to this thing called Triennium. Have you ever had, have you ever been to that? No, I haven't. Um, I feel so bad because like, the, it, I guess it's like a big deal, but uh, I was like really not impressed with it. And I think people were like mad that I, like I heard so much about it. And here's, here's the other thing too, of like how I knew it wasn't good. was like, at me, like before I went, I was like, oh, this is not gonna be great. And maybe that tainted my, uh, expectations but in the video it was like just 
you know, they'd show the fun, they'd show the zaniness, and there was some pretty cool stuff they did, but it's like kids saying, just come. It's life-changing. It's like, just come. Trust me. Like, it'll be great. You'll have so much fun. And I'm like... They're like selling you on it. Yeah, I'm like, when you have to just say, like, just come, it'll be where, like, just trust me. Like, just come. I'm like, you know, like, when... It's almost like when someone says, oh, this isn't a scam. Like, it probably is a scam. Like, if someone <laughs> to tell you, just come. Like, just come. And then they sit you down for three hours and try to get you to sell Herbalife. Yeah, yeah, it's not lame. Like, trust me, this, it's, it's not boring. It's not like other camps. Like, eh. So, like, that's where, like, you know, Hume Lake, you know, big uh, crush on them because they would, like, you know, they, they never did that. They would just show all the fun. They'd, like, you know, show some excerpts of the speakers. It was very well edited, all their videos. And, like, they would just have kids sharing, like, testimonies, like, man, I realized this week that God is blank or this, that, and the other. And I don't want to live in fear. I, you know, and they're sharing these powerful testimonies. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we'd show that at church or whatever. I mean, and, and it just, it sold itself. Um, so, but so yeah, I went and like, um, I, yeah, we had like that church time or these weird breakout sessions. And oh, dude, it was like, it was at Purdue University. So you're, like, you have to go all the way to freaking Indiana. Um, and it's every like three years. So I'm like, why do we do this every three years? Uh, and why do we have to do it all the way there? And so the point was like that, like the kids would just be amazed meeting people from like Alaska or like yeah. New York or Georgia or wherever. And they would take buses, they drive or like just everyone made crazy ways to get out there. And they'd just be amazed like, oh, I'm not alone in my faith. Like this is a global thing. Like they'd even have people sometimes from around the world come and that was sort of the point was, oh, look, like you're not alone in this thing. And, but it ended up just kind of being like, in my opinion, a little lame where it was like, oh, it was really hot and there's no air conditioning in the dorms. So it'd be like 90 degrees at night. And I would just like take a cold shower in like all my clothes. <laughs> just lay like spread eagle on the bed, like yeah. in this cold, wet bed, just like, that was like the only relief I could get. Um, um, and oh, and they didn't. We didn't have cabins. I was like bunked up with some other youth pastor who would just talk incessantly in the night. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying that's inherent into the thing, but like, right. But yeah, the whole idea of it. Go back to saying about camp. Like, the it just it was like these lame small group activities. In my opinion, the speakers just were like, whatever. And I was like, dude, like you know, this is why we're like not doing well with camps and conferences because like, we're just like, oh, this is what we did in the nineties. And it worked. Like my kids went in the nineties and it was cool. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like there are a zillion other camps, like doing so much better stuff. And we don't have to pay like a thousand dollars a kid to take them out here. So yeah. Yeah. That's for me. Like I, for me, like meetups and gatherings, that sounds beautiful. People from Alaska, Florida, different parts of the country. That sounds great. You still got to structure it well. So I'm not saying they're done. I'm just saying we got to look at our structure. Yeah. We got to look at our facilities and we got to look at our structure. And we can't just add, you know, again, you got to look at Pastor Mark. We can't just add pizza guys and games guys, <laughs> movies guys, awesome guys. <laughs> we can't, we can't just be looking to more add-ons. We got to like, we got to define what it is that we're doing. Are we doing fun? I love young life. They're like 99% fun, 1% Jesus. I'm like, Yeah. You set your priorities. Like, we just want to, we just want to build a relationship and have fun with young people. Beautiful. And then guess what? They're gonna get a little bit of Jesus when they're with us. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. You're starting. You're sowing a seed. That's great. Our church, um, we have a great like summer 
camp. We call it extreme week. And it's extreme. We go rafting for five days with high oh, school. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's gnarly. We're in a, where's it? Happy Camp, California. It's great. Adventure Whitewater. Those guys are awesome. Wait, you guys uh, go there? Yeah. Oh, dude. I, I went there with a bunch of youth group kids. And there was like, yeah, church is taking like 200 students with them. It wasn't your, it was some church in like San Diego. And I was like, Oh no, we, oh, we take like, yeah, we take like 200, 250 students. Dang, okay. So we take like two charter buses mm-hmm. or however many students and plus a few vans. Anyways, that's us. And the trip is that we take students. There's no phones because we just, I mean, they can have your phone, just no service. Yeah. And we, we camp for five days. We float on the river. Excuse me. We eat river tacos. My, like, my girlfriend was born and raised in the church. She's been going for 17 years. Mm-hmm. She even goes as a leader now. She like uses a week of her adult vacation time to go to this camp. It's fun. Like, and for me, it's one of the best things we do. And then there's worship at night and it's great. And, you know, um, I think our team does a great job of, you know, if there's a whole bunch I'd probably change, but I just think that's one of the best things we do. Oh yeah. I totally get that. I mean, one of the best, like, if I look at our high school ministry, extremely is the best thing we do. Mm-hmm. Let's not let's not get started on Wednesday nights, uh, <laughs> not just for our church, but for any church. Again, it's critical against all of us because I, I never went. My dad oh, said, yeah. "My dad said go to the youth group." I said, "I don't want to. I'm going to go into the main sanctuary and go to Bible study. Youth group sucks." Wow. And 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 I, and I got more out of the Bible study. You know, be able to pray with my dad a few times. Um just got that really in-depth Bible study type teach. Loved it. I wasn't even really a, like, I wouldn't say I wasn't a believer. I just wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian. I was just seeking. I loved it. I can't imagine what would happen with my life if I, in my life, I would have went to youth group. I, I hate to say it that way, but I'm like, I wouldn't have gotten so much of what I got on Wednesday nights. Anyways, oh, yeah. I digress on that. Camps, I think they can make a revival. It's just going to take a lot of like, and it's just not going to take people like us, you know, especially myself harping on it. It's really going to take people to look at what we're doing and what's the end game. And like the end game's Jesus. Right. But like, you got to know people first. Yeah. We can't just start speaking to people in a language they don't know, or they're not even interested in learning. Like we got to meet them right where they're at. Young life and people like that are so crucial mm-hmm. fellowship of christian athletes amazing all these great organizations but we got to keep thinking how we engage in different that's it like because kids like there's so many other cool things out there <clears throat> yeah no i totally get you man that's good stuff um i know we were talking about this earlier and somehow got uh you know taken away into a conversation i loved um but so you were talking about like you know your church where you felt called uh, and your church, you know, encourage you to go to this like Bible college for a little bit. Um, but I know you've told me before that you uh, didn't finish your bachelor's, right? And then you, oh. you kind of just got started working in church and you're doing your thing now. Um, and so, so tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. I love learning. Mm-hmm. I just inherited like a 1970 version of the uh, Britannica. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. 72, 72 books for the Western world. Um, I love learning. I love reading. Uh, I, I learned, I didn't, I don't believe I ever really learned phonetics. I didn't learn how to read like most kids. I learned how to read through memorization. So my dad would uh, read to me and then he would say, hey, your turn. And then I would just 
remember the whole book. Okay. Like Cat in the Hat, I would remember my dad would you know read the page and then he'd go good turn and I would just recite what he said. So I just listened by ear. By the time I learned how to read on my own, I was like maybe a grade later than everybody else. And I kind of snuck by. I was able to like sneak by, go unnoticed. And then I just started memorizing words. So I also know sign language. And I, oh, the wow. reason I was able to learn sign language so quickly was because um, I just can remember words. So if you remember words and you can remember action, so sign language is cake. Um, and then you just fingerspell what you don't know how to sign. So um, I don't know if that's the right way to learn, but that's how I learned. <laughs> so sense. yeah, I thought education, I grew up uh, Los Angeles Unified School District, um, Carson, born and raised in small town, Carson, refinery town, like we're surrounded by four refineries. I think my street where I grew up, like there was this chart of showing like the, how contaminated the air is. <laughs> Look at it, it's, it's wild. Okay. Um, which is why if you hear me with this like <clears throat> type cough, it's just growing up in Carson. But anyway. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, parents went to middle school. My dad went to maybe ninth or 10th grade. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they moved in together. I think they're about 16. Um, so just parents, dad was a hard worker, he's had a job since he was 14, um, hasn't been unemployed ever, um, has always provided for his family. Um, mom, uh, no high school education, neither dad, and uh, worked at a company for, shoot, 17 years. Um, I think she was the last official employee that when the company went under, she was the last one to like close out mm. on site. So, um, so they just trusted her and she just worked her way up. So in a similar way, that's, that's how I started mm. at 18. I worked for Hawaiian airlines. I had the most amazing manager. Her name was Sharon. And, um, I just learned how to work. I had like tutoring jobs before that summer gigs. Um, but when I, right when I was 18, I started working, I said, well, I'm a, I'm a fly. Cause you get, travel benefits when you work for an oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I'm a fly for a bit and visit all my friends at their cool colleges that they're spending $40,000 a year on or more. And I'll take some classes. I, I didn't really, my parents really wanted me to go to college. Um, yeah, I didn't, it, it just wasn't interesting. I couldn't, I wish they would have just given me the book, asked me to come take a test, you know, or, or oral exam, make sure I'm competent. And I would have been fine. But the whole process of, teaching and learning and lecture in a two-hour gap like that's not uh -uh. like i doubt jesus had two-hour gaps with his disciples <laughs> two days a week you know so like i just like you're either going to be full fully immersed and and committed into my education and i'll reciprocate that like you know you got to be committed to educating and committing to learn and I just realized early on that like, yeah, this is, this isn't going to work. And so I had a friend at the moment who was finishing up his master's, Koba, who I talked about. And I just asked him every question I could, what he was reading, I was reading, what he was studying, I was studying, um, inductive Bible studies, whatever it is, like these different things. I just, I, I would learn it. I'm 19, 20 uh, years old, still working at the airline, then go to LABI. I was probably about 22 at the time. My time frame so messed up. Um, yeah. And even that, even that going to uh, that school, I was just, this is good. Thanks for the printout. I'll work on this. 
but I didn't get much out of like lecture time. Um, I think it just, you know, conversation like this, boom, let's, we can learn with this. But lecture style, it's like, man, I'm paying for this. I couldn't justify it. <laughs> I still get, and I know, I know I need to. PCUSA will not ordain me mm-hmm. if, if I don't. And I just don't, yeah, maybe somebody hasn't explained it to me well enough. Maybe there is a secondary call that you get from somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just, you know, give me a few sermons from Ravi Zacharias, <laughs> you know, give me like two guys who have done the work and have, are just immersed in the text and make them my friends and, you know, <laughs> let's be friends. And like, for me, that's education. Now, if you want to be an engineer, get, you better get your butt mm-hmm. in there and stink and learn, you know? Um, oh yeah, I totally get that. Uh, yeah, even English, like I'm just like, yeah, go, go learn about syntax. I don't know. <laughs> what, do, what do English majors study? Um, it is our first language. Right. You know, so my view on education is if you want to do it, go do it. I think with Udemy and all these other Corsa or whatever mm-hmm. they're called, um, I think they're like, Right now, I'm looking at the college. I, I take online classes periodically. So I'm looking at the local community college. I just want to take a writing course. And um, they're still, they're still going to go through summer with COVID. They're going to go through fall. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be online. I'm like, hmm, my goodness. I think, like, I think this crisis, this pandemic is pointing at a weak spot. That we oh, yeah, have, I get that. We, we have cheapened education so much that you can do it from home. Like, that's not like, that's not how real learning happens. Like, you know, that's just, it's not, it's not where real learning happens. Real learning happens when your finger, finger under the nail, right? When your fingers oh, yeah. are dirty, when your hands are getting dirty. That's oh, dude, I, I totally get that. Cause I've, I've debated that about that with like uh, people at, you know, Fuller when I was at seminary. Um, Which is such it, a cool school. I mean, like Fuller, like, I think I sat in on a class. I was like, this is mm-hmm. cool. Oh yeah. I mean, and I know, like you said, you weren't the biggest on lectures, which I totally get. Everyone's got their different learning style. For me, like sitting in a classroom, sitting under, you know, pastor preaching, whatever, like, you know, I, I used to get yelled at by my high school and college econ professor. They're actually the same person he taught at San Jose State uh, my first two years as well. And he used to just be like, Stephen, why don't you take notes? Like he literally just like interrupted class in high school once. I was like, just doesn't really help me, man. Now then again, I probably would have got better grades if I took notes, but I was like, I, I'm actually just like a pretty good memorizer, kind of like yourself. Um, I had a mentor and we would memorize like books of the Bible together. And that was just sort of like what I did for my quiet time. And yeah, once again, like I probably would have done better if I took notes, but like, I was just such an auditory learner. Um, so I love, I love that, but man, like online classes, like I, I don't think you're getting the quality of education uh, you're paying for, unless you're paying less. And I know like there's actually, you know, students right now at like different universities <laughs> suing. Cause they're like, Hey, I paid for in class, in person, face to face, and I'm not getting it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they have that much of a case in court or whatever, but I get the idea that they're like, this is not the same that online is not the same as in person. Um, Cause I took like online Hebrew or something like that. Dude, my Hebrew is horrendous. Like, I, 
I don't know how I passed that class. Like I look at like it was Hebrew, online. You looked at the answers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Um, but like, I mean, here's the thing. I know, like, you know, the the important stuff of like, literally, the the class was called Hebrew Tools for Interpretation. And the reason seminaries are going that way is like you learn to use a software like Logos or BibleWorks, which I think BibleWorks is now like out of business or something. But you you can like point and click and it tells you like what the form is, what the meaning is, yada, yada. And yeah, you could just Google like what the form means and like all the opinions, whatever. So I'll say that I don't really have them memorized very well, but I took Greek like in person twice, like once in undergrad and once in seminary. And my Greek, you know, my humble opinion is excellent. Like, cause I had to do like the tooth and nail, like, nice. you know, hardcore, like memorize everything. We would like sit in class and he would just be like, okay, we're going to like recite like this one word and all the declensions, like, you're know, kind of saying like, you know, I, uh, I run, you run, he runs, uh, you know, whatever sort of thing. And we would just do that like all day till the cows came home. Uh, and so my Greek is really great because I took it like in class uh, with a professor, not online. Uh, and that was the thing with PCUSA, you know, I was like starting the ordination process wow. and they were like very insistent, like, wait, okay. So you have an MDiv, master's divinity, right? I'm like, yes. They're like, okay. And you took Hebrew and Greek, right? And I was like, yes. They're like, okay, cool. You're good. But like, you know, certain people who like had like an MAT or something like that, or like not quite an MDiv. Mm-hmm. like and they'd even be weird like if they tried to like take supplemental classes they'd be like no you have to go back to your institution and like earn an mdiv and they're like dude what like come on man why can't i just take like i'm taking the classes you know what's the big deal um, cause, already. <laughs> yeah because i mean i've i've met people who like went to seminary with the wonderful people who love jesus but and they would they would leave seminary going like I'm, I'm not prepared and equipped to, um, to lead a church or lead a youth group or whatever. Like I had a friend who, you know, he worked at Hume Lake with me and he got a job at this great church. I was like, I was straight up jealous of him. And he went to like uh, Biola. Um, you know, I went to Zoo Pacific. So good old rivalry there. Rivalry, and yeah. um, he, he got the job and he quit after like a year or something like that because he, and he, his words, if I remember correctly, were I didn't feel like I was adequately prepared just with my education, whatever. And I was like, what the heck are we doing then? Like, how is it that there are people like, you know, like yourself, or there are many people who are like, yeah, uh, my church just kind of asked me to be the youth pastor and I just did it. And then now I'm 50 and I'm like the senior pastor, whatever. Like I, I know a senior pastor who, you know, similar to you, never finished his bachelor's degree, but just he, he got his way in and it just, yeah, it blows me away. I'm like, why are we spending 40,000 a year for people to go to Biola or Azusa or wherever when they don't feel prepared when they leave. Right. No, seriously. I, I, I had a mentor recently, last year, I was saying, man, man I won't say his name, but mm-hmm. Brad, Brad, I said, I really want to go to seminary. And he just said, nope. And I was working for him at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, he just said, nope, I won't let you do that. And I said, why not? He goes, because I like you. Mm-hmm. You the way you are. And he was like pointing at me like that, just the way you are like that. He goes, everybody that I received fresh out of seminary, I have to like, they have to relearn what it's like mm-hmm. to not be seminary students. Yeah. I think that's how he said it. And uh, 
essentially what he was he was trying to get to is it's easier for me Gabe to work with you and to teach you how to pastor and to pastor this flock and this people and at this time than it is having a student coming in fresh out of seminary he goes it's so difficult he goes so difficult for me uh, uh, to lead them you know so I, I, I didn't go and I'm glad yeah. <laughs> Based on what you just said, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll go. And it wouldn't be to, for a job. Mm-hmm. It'll be for me. It's kind of like when I tell people when I read the Bible. Um, they say, Gabe, are you reading it? you ready for a sermon? I go, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this for me. I don't, I'm not reading this for you, for a sermon. Uh, Bill Johnson always says, um, how does he say it? He says, when we start doing ministry um, as a profession, what do we call people who do intimacy as a profession? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I can't have my intimacy with God. I'm not having this intimacy with the creator of everything for the sake to do work or ministry like there is a work that we're called to do but it's not i don't do it because of that i i have my relationship with the lord and and he calls me to the work that he calls me to each day but i'm not doing it you know it's like not like a you go to college in order to be able to to do this i don't really see it that way yeah you have a relationship with the lord and your peers and those around you um verify that like before i was a pastor before i would even reference myself as pastor people called me pastor Wow. And yeah. it's just something that, something that happens. Um, and yeah, I, I, am I insecure that I don't have all the letters next to my name? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I'll never get the housing allowance. <laughs> what? Wait, like you, you work full time for your church, right? Like 40 hours a week, salaried, whatever. Most churches, most denominations, you got to be ordained in order to get the, set, the housing are you, wow. Okay. Just for those who are listening and don't know what that is, like, and I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're thinking the same thing. That's like, if you make, let's say 4,000 a month or something like that, and you pay like 1500 a month in rent, that 1500 is tax deductible essentially. So you only get taxed on the like 2,500 a month that you don't spend on your housing. Or if you're also like, well, I pay 15,000 or 1500 a month in rent, but I also, you know, bought a couch and whatever, like you can deduct those and it shows up on your W-2. Like I got that uh, my first full-time, but I was at my first full-time job uh, as a pastor, but I don't think I was ordained. I know I was like licensed. Like I still have like a certificate that I can marry people, which it's also ridiculous that like, it's not even that official. It's not like you get a number or like this, like literally if someone from the state audited the weddings that I did, I just have to like show them this piece of paper that we printed out and made from like a template so uh but that's so you so you don't get the housing allowance no wow yeah so again like totally fine with not getting it you know like i can i can stomach that they take care of me they pay me well thank god and i always think like shoot i get paid to do this like it's true you know when i was working for the airline and and being and at the church i mean i was at work five to six days a week i was working two jobs and then i was at every worship service i was on the worship team 
uh, Wednesday night Bible study, Sunday night Bible study, Sunday morning Bible, like, you know, worship, music and worship, our Friday night young adult gathering. So I was like 30 hours a week at the church, hmm. but, but, um, but working by vocational, you know, I was doing yeah. it free. Um, so, I mean, if I wasn't getting paid to do this, what would I be doing? I'd be doing this. Yeah, I feel uh, the same way. I'll, I'll just be getting paid somewhere else. So I just, I, I get the, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have the opportunity to do this for this period of time and get paid. Um, because I was committed back in my home church in California to continue to work there for free. Like, yeah. It's just, I believe in the mission. I, I, I can, you know, I believe in the mission. I believe in what Jesus has called us to do, Big C Church, our role and our responsibility. Um, we are in our way. And I don't know, I, mean, I think I just got really good at being corrected as a kid because <laughs> I always did so much wrong that I, I believe it's part of my calling to just ask questions, not call out, not criticize, but definitely bring attention to like, why do we do it this way? Why do we, why do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday this way? Yeah. And is this how we should be doing it? I mean, that's it. Like it's Easter every day. If we're not living Easter every week, we're missing it. Like, mm. you know we're still kind of like trying to like follow some rules and stuff like that, you know? So we're, I mean, totally different approach. That's what we're doing. Jesus died, was resurrected. All the rest is rock and roll. I mean, we just got to make yeah. the, main, the main thing. And if we're not celebrating Easter every Sunday, if we got these like agendas and stuff like, yeah, we got to be careful with that. So, I mean, that's what I'm called to. Called to just point out. Oh, yeah. Wait, when was the last time we prayed as a staff? You know, my staff does a great job. We staff prayer. I love it. Um, but again, like even asking, why do we only pray like this? Mm. Um, because we're, we're Presbyterian. So, I mean, pointing at that even, um, and our executive team has done a great job of addressing it. Um, we have a Pentecostal prayer time, you know, cause Presbyterians <laughs> calendar it. Yeah. Okay. And all us loud mouths get invited to that one, you know? Interesting. Uh, okay. <laughs> we go to both, but I mean, um, yeah, it's just something that, that we do. Gabe and I had a wonderful rest of the conversation. Talked about a lot of really interesting things that I can't wait for you to hear about. Uh, so I've actually split this episode into two episodes. This is part one. And if you want, head over to part two as we talk about some different things regarding online church and what it looks like uh, for people to live out their vocation and ministry. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we hope you check in more, uh, but feel free to leave us any questions, comments, or concerns uh, at youchangemymindpodcast at gmail.com. That's any questions, comments, or concerns at youchangemymindpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you uh, and love to maybe include that in the show some way, somehow, uh, to see where it goes. Thank you.